with that out of the way, why don't I go ahead and play some intro music? This one. You got the really good one. You got the better one for Surreal Politics. Six episode of Stage One, and I titled the episode today "Ome TV Debut." Debut. Uh, you guys might know we broadcast simulcast to a place called Goyam TV, uh, which is run by a very talented man by the name of Handsome Truth, and he he's been for a long time doing these videos where he used to go on this uh, chat service called Omegle, and he would troll people on there. A really funny bit that he did, and so of course you know I was like, oh, I got to copy this guy. And I thought I'd go try to steal the bit, you know. And uh, I went so far as to get that software that he uses to make the faces and stuff. I was like, this is going to be great. And I was like, well, for what? I'm biting this guy's bit. And then I read the terms of service on the thing. And I was like, oh, it actually says that you're not allowed to rebroadcast or record the thing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, maybe he could get away with it. But there's definitely going to be like a cabal of, you know, ethnocentric lawyers from a Middle Eastern country are going to come sue me. And, you know, I was a little worried about that. And then on top of that, you know, in New Hampshire, there's like wiretapping laws are kind of weird. Like you could you could just record your phone calls in New York. And as long as somebody on the line knows that the call is being recorded, it's not a crime. In New Hampshire, you have to get all the party's consent when you're recording a phone call. So it's kind of like, I don't know, should I do this? I actually contact my PO. I'm like, hey, you know, if I do this thing, you know, am I going to have a problem with you? And he's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. He, as a matter of fact, he didn't say that he didn't answer me. It was actually what happened. So I held off on doing the bit, and then sure enough, Omegle got shut down. And then we find out that there's something, you know, of course, it doesn't do anything to stop the phenomenon. What happens is everybody just goes to another service because Omegle's not the first thing to, or the last thing to, like, you know, give you a random video chat. There's been a, you know, the cultural reference in my head is chat roulette. I've never used it, but kind of the same idea, right? And so everybody went over to this thing called Omi TV, and I went over to Omi TV, and I read their terms of service, and they say nothing about recording or rebroadcasting. And I don't think that, um, I think that, you know, the legal situation is such that you don't actually don't have a right to, you don't have a right to an expectation of privacy there. It's kind of the rule when you're talking about wiretapping laws and stuff. And so today, I actually, before the show, I wasn't sure if this was going to be any good. I didn't want to do it live and be like, yeah, this sucks. Keep on throwing super chats at me or whatever, because that'd be dumb. Um, so I did it, I did it by myself. And I've got about an hour of video that I'm going to play for you today on this show. Uh, and I think that's going to be a pretty good, uh, I think you're going to like that. 
there's one segment in particular. You'll see when I get to the woman. There's a there's a conversation I have with goes on a pretty long time with a 16 year old girl, I should say. And you know, trying to go and do what HT does would have not been a good bit for me. It's just it, copying somebody else's thing is not you know that's not artistic, right? It's not what I do. You know, I talk to people in you know greater depth than that. You know, he's got a thing for the gags and the and the and the faces, and he pulls him out at like the perfect time, and his comedic timing is perfect, and he's really good at what he does. For me to try to copy that would not go over well at all. I do something completely different. You know, I talk to these people, I get in their heads, like I go, I probe them, you know, and if they'll stick around and talk to me for a while, that can get pretty interesting. And most of the conversations that I had today did not go that far. They talked to me for a couple minutes and then they punch out. This girl, she talked to me for a while. And the whole thing is actually pretty sad, if I'm honest with you. Like, I was not, you know, it's to go and talk to random people and see what they're doing. You get a sample. You know, it's a random subsection of society. And I'm not saying that, you know, OMA TV is what the world is doing. But when you go and you talk to five people... And all five are like a mess. You're like, yeah, the world's pretty bad, you know? It's kind of sad what I went through today. And trying to talk to them, you know, I think this, here's the funny thing about it, right? When I'm talking to these people, I'm like, yeah, maybe you should stop doing drugs. Maybe you should clean up your room, I told one guy, you know? They're like, what? Do you, what? Why would anybody try to give me good advice? I'm here to do drugs in front of you and for you to tell me that's cool, you know? And that's a kind of a funny bit all its own, isn't it? <laughs> like, that's pretty funny if in my mind, right? Because we're, we're at that point where, what do you mean I should stop doing drugs and clean up my room? What do you mean I should not cut my genitals apart? I've never heard anyone say that. It's 2024. Get with the times, pops. <laughs> you know... In a sick kind of in a sick kind of way, there's a sense that there's a there's there's some laughs to be had in that, I guess. But they're not, you know, it's one of those things that you laugh at because that's all you can do, you know. And so I think that that'll be worth. I think you're going to enjoy that. And when we're done with that, I'll come back and I'll get the phone lines online. I don't, the phones are not online right now. If you try to call, you're just you're not going to get through. But when I'm when we get towards the end of the segment, I'll bring the phones online. I'll, I'll take some calls. I'll do, uh, I'll read some news. But before I get into the Omega bit, I actually put, I published something on Telegram this morning, which I think is probably worth going through a little bit. <clears throat> Let me get everything off my screen here so I'm not exposing things I'm not trying to expose. All right. Get that out of here. No. Get that minimized. And there's Telegram. Okay. Now. <clears throat> get out of here. Okay. So as I was saying, on Telegram this morning, um, one of the things I teased on a recent episode of the show was I said, uh, I'm working on a book. So you know that there's the book, Beauty Revisited is now available on Amazon as a Kindle ebook or as a paperback. And you should go get that like right now. Like right now. You should definitely go get the paperback. The Kindle, you know, the Kindle ebook, whatever you've got, you've had the text forever for free. Do you want to own this thing that you can hold in your hand? Is another question, right? 
But so after I did that and I realized, you know, I could publish books. And as a matter of fact, I don't have to get like a publisher on board or spend $15,000 to do it. Like I just upload the manuscript and the cover and boom, it's for sale. You know, it's like, well, I actually have, you know, thousands of pages of original text that I produced over the course of this career of mine. And so I could probably write some books. And so I get this idea in my head that, you know, I've got this chronological timeline of, you know, all the things that I've done. And, you know, some of you have been around with me for a very long time. I mean, some of you were there when I ran for Congress and stuff, and that was a very long time ago. But that was really like my entry onto the scene. Like in 2009, I basically, you know, I've been, you know, following politics since 9-11 in the sense that I'd let Bill O'Reilly spoon feed me center-right milk milk toast opinions, right? But in 2009, I got my world rocked by a legal problem. And then I was like, oh, the government's a complete disaster. I've got to become an activist or whatever. And I went to the Tea Party. I went to a Tea Party. I want to say it was July 4th of 2009. Might have been earlier or later. I'm pretty sure it was July 4th, 2009. And it was in Huntington, New York. And uh, that's where I met a woman by the name of Gigi Bowman. And I got involved with the Campaign for Liberty and the Libertarian Party and then Gigi Bowman wanted me to run for Congress. She wanted me to run for some kind of public office. And I ended up running for the United States House of Representatives the following year in the first congressional district of New York. And so when I look at my my blog posts, you know, the, the ChristopherCantwell.com, what, what is now ChristopherCantwell.net, didn't launch until like 2013. But I've had other things that I did, you know, and I lost all my Facebook and Twitter and everything in 2017. But I saw my emails, right? And so I started putting together from my old email correspondence, like the timeline of my congressional race, of my lead up to it, I should say. Because at this point in the book, I'm like 60 pages in, and I just got to the first public announcement. Because there was a lot of email correspondence in the course of this. One of the things that I was doing was I was on like the Campaign for Liberty and Libertarian Party and these Tea Party group mailing lists. Like I, a lot of you guys probably don't, even know what I'm talking about, mailing list, but like you send an email and everybody in the group gets the email and then somebody replies to that email and then everybody in the group gets the reply. That used to be pretty popular. People don't do that anymore, which is unfortunate because it's actually a, a superior way of doing things in a lot of ways. So I've got all this correspondence and it's actually pretty interesting. It's interesting for me to read because, in part because I am... Um, you know, I tend to look back on everything pre-2017, and I think I have this idea in my head that, like, this is cucky libertarian nonsense, right? And I think of stuff prior to, like, 2012 um, as, like, worse than that. I think of that as, like, oh, you're, like, this constitutionalist minarchist guy. You're, like, you know, one of these, you know, Oath Keepers guys or something, but without the law enforcement background, right? But going back and reading some of what I had to say is kind of interesting because a lot of it still holds water. As a matter of fact, I probably agree with more of what I said in the early stages of this thing than I did when I was in my, like, ANCAP phase. And uh, as a writer, of course, I was not as good a writer. <laughs> but I proliferated text very rapidly, you know. <laughs> but I, 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 I scrutinized my typographic and spelling and gr- grammatical errors more than I did back then. And so it's been kind of a wild ride for me, and I think that some people might find it pretty interesting. And as it turns out, like I said, I've got all this text, so I'm like, well, I had this idea that I'd, I'd publish this book, Adventures in Libertarianism, which I just you know published my blogs from libertarian days and add some commentary by myself. But 
to actually do that, to go from, you know, from from my first blog post on ChristopherCantwell.com to, uh, you know, say, uh, you know, right before I went to Charlottesville, that's like thousands of pages of text, as a matter of fact. And so I'd have to edit a lot of it down. And so as I got it, was going through all this old email correspondence, putting together the beginnings of the congressional race, I said, I could write a book just about the congressional race. And so I sent an email to Gigi Bowman. I said, hey, you know, I haven't talked to you in a while. I hope everything's going good for you. I just published my first book. I'm looking at publishing another one. But, you know, when I lost my Facebook, like I lost all of my pictures, uh, you know, that was one of the worst things about being banned from Facebook, by the way. I would take a picture with my phone and just like upload it to Facebook. And I was like, yeah, it's there. I don't, it doesn't matter if I delete it from the phone. It's on Facebook. They got better backup systems than I do until they're like, yeah, I don't like your politics. We'll delete all your stuff and never let you see it again. It's kind of sad. A lot, a lot of really sad as a matter of fact. But uh, I said to Gigi, I said, do you have any, you know, uh, images, videos, or other records from that time that might be useful in putting the book together. And she fired off a bunch of pictures to me. And if you listen to uh, what I put out, whether it was On Beauty or Beauty Revisited, Beauty Revisited being a, a cleaned-up version of On Beauty, I talked about looking at myself back in those days and sort of what had happened to me, you know, my physical transformation from trying to get in shape. And... <laughs> So I'll show you just uh, here. We do, do it this way. And so she sent me these images. And I'll scroll through a few of these here. If you're a humble correspondent, that's a guy by the name of Danny Panzella. Some of you might recognize. And you can see this fat face that I'm talking about, okay? Like, that's not the guy on the camera right now. Let me put this, uh, you know. It, that guy ain't me, right? I mean, it's me, but it's not me. It's me and Adam Kokesh. Me fat as all. Oh, it's a surreal politics. I probably shouldn't say the last word of that, but you get the idea. You know, in a bar, fat. Hanging out with the uh, Guardian Angels. Tom Woods. So this is actually the first, this is the first tea party that I went to. A government that is big enough to give you all you want is big enough to take it all away. The government, uh, Congress doesn't read the laws they pass. is out there with these signs. Wake up in the USA or you will wake up in the USSR. <laughs> and that black fellow there, he was a big fan of me. So uh, this is when I was running for Congress. This is, uh, this is at a thing called Liberty Fest NYC. That's actually, I did my first, like, stand-up comedy set there, and it went over pretty well. That's Gary Franchi. He ran a thing called The Next News Network. Tom Woods again. That's Ian Chaffee. He actually put together the Liberty Fest NYC thing. This is a woman who's very upset with me, and she's smacking me in the mouth in this bar. And this is uh, me with a beer in my cop, cop block hoodie. And, uh, you know, even when I was a fat, drunken slob, I uh, I managed to gain the affections of beautiful women. Keeping them is another story. But anyway, so those are the photos that she sent me, okay? And something that stood out to me as I looked through them was, so this photo here of me at the tea party in 2009, I'm obviously overweight in that photo. I don't know how visible it is on the screen to you guys, but uh, it's not the best way to pull up images. I'm sorry. But I'm probably like 220 pounds there. Still got some hair. 
this was, I believe, Election Day 2012, okay? And I was like 260 pounds by that point. And so like, the whole time I was with the Libertarians, I was just getting fatter and drunker, you know? And uh, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, that's already said it. So, and then I, you know, basically as soon as I dropped the Libertarian stuff, I, I got... I started to lose weight. I started to change my life. You know, in 2014, I suffered, you know, yet another fairly heartbreaking romantic failure. And I decided I had to improve my dating options, starting with dropping the booze and a lot of weight. I wrote a blog post titled Fitness Advice from a Fat Alcoholic Part 1, and I had the idea in my head that I'd try to lose some weight and post about my progress. And I eventually abandoned the idea of posting regular updates, but by cutting out alcohol and carbs from my diet and walking a great deal, I dropped like 50 pounds in about two months. And that was about the best thing that ever happened to me. Once I realized that I could change my body that dramatically, I felt like I had more control over my life than I thought I previously did. And that rewired my whole thought, thought process on top of the physical transformation. I started lifting weights after that, learning about and trying to, you know, like intelligently manage my hormones and generally adopted like a fitness-oriented lifestyle. And you can see this photo right here. I'm sorry that these things are coming up so small on your screen. I should have done a better job of this. I'm sorry. So with a woman who came into my life right after I started this process, didn't work out so well with her either. But you can see my face is like different from that face that you saw up there, right? I mean, like this is between this is after the weight loss and before the muscle gains. This is just before I started, you know, strength training. And here's me like right before the Unite the Right rally in 2017. And so, you know, basically 20, 2009 to 2017 is the timeline of the images that you see here. And so my body fat percentage then was higher than it is now. But this was when I was at like peak muscle mass. I lost a lot of my gains when I was ended up in the Charlottesville jail. And as a consequence of that, I was deprived of a high protein diet and fitness equipment while I was there. Um. And, you know, having been in prison, I got fat, you know, COVID lockdown and stuff, sitting in a cell 23 hours a day eating garbage. So I've been more concentrating on losing weight than, you know, muscle mass. So I'm actually like, in, you know, depending on your unit of measure, I'm in better shape now than I was there, but I'd like to get some of those gains back, you know. But, you know, you look at this timeline of my faces, you know. There's a lot of... Maybe those things, maybe they look like the same guy to you, but not to me. Like, those are four distinct individuals so far as I'm concerned, you know. And so the reason I tell you that is kind of like, there's a lot of reasons for it. It's not just to fill up airtime. But if you're like, if you're in poor physical shape, if you're struggling with alcoholism or substance abuse, if you think you are doomed to a life of loneliness, porn, masturbation, and prostitutes, if you think there's nothing that you can do to change these things about your life, you're absolutely 100% wrong about that. If you try every day to improve, you will you will improve. It'll actually happen if you try. It, it won't show immediate results. You'll probably get discouraged, but just keep on trying. If you try hard every day for two years, you will look at two-year-old photos of yourself and you too will have trouble recognizing the man that you were. And then you're going to have like a whole new set of problems, but don't stop trying then, you know. If you improve your physical fitness, you'll be betting an entirely different class of women than you're used to. They'll break your heart. They'll make you feel lower than the guy in the two-year-old photos. 
But just keep trying. Don't stop. Never stop. You will adjust. You'll become more confident in who you are. You'll reorient your goals in your mind. And you will be better off in every way, no matter how much stuff is thrown at you that you have to deal with. You know, some people, they say, uh, you know, God never gives you more than you can handle. I don't know if that's a perfectly accurate description of, you know, the metaphysics of our universe or whatever. I've certainly felt like I had more on my plate than I could deal with more than once in my life, you know. But sure enough, I dealt with it all that came my way, right? And here we find ourselves. However imperfectly I dealt with it, I did, you know. And those of you who know me the best know that aside from, you know, maybe some good looks and extraordinary verbal talents, which my early work makes very clear, had to be, you know, refined through hard work itself. I'm not actually all that special. (laughs) Some people get this idea, you know, that I, you know, I'm not a TV star. I'm a guy with a computer. Not all that special. And it's a dumb cliche to say, oh, you know, if I could do it, you could do it. Like, that's not necessarily true in all cases, obviously. You know, some things I can do that you can do, and a lot of things that you can do that I can't do. I'm certain that the latter outnumbers the former, for sure. But I don't think it's entirely inappropriate in this context. I tried really hard, and I failed frequently. Most of you would not want my current life. But I'm 100% certain that you could kick your bad habits and shape up and improve your mental state to such a point where you'd take prison, bankruptcy, and heartbreak in stride. And if you play your cards right, you could avoid prison and bankruptcy. Heartbreak's a little bit more difficult to avoid. But who knows? You know, wish you the best of luck with it in that case. But if you give it a shot, you know, you try hard enough and you don't give up. You know, it's perseverance. It's it's diligence. It's, you know stick to whatever the phrase you want to use. If you try hard and you stay with it over the course of a couple of years, you cannot help but improve. How much you improve, you know, it depends on certain factors that are innate to you. It depends on certain factors, you know, per, you know, about your environment and the, the hand that you're dealt. But if you try really hard every day for two years, Improvement's coming. You can't help but improve in those circumstances. So I hope that you will. Uh, Even if you don't, even if you're not in bad shape, even if you're not an alcoholic, if you're not trying, you know, you just might become either of those things. So try real hard. And with that out of the way, boys and girls, I'm going to go ahead and play this Omegle bit. I think you're going to like it. Um, And if the first couple of ones are not super engaging, just stick with me until the girl gets there. I promise it's going to be, you're going to have a lot of fun with that. So let's go ahead and get it on, shall we? Okay, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to try to do the Omi TV thing. We'll see what happens. Hello there. What's good? Chilling, man. How you doing? Chilling. How about you? I'm hanging in there, buddy. What are you doing? You smoking some weed? Yes, sir. How about you? I ain't smoking no weed. No, it's, uh, that stuff will make me unable to talk, you know. <laughs> but uh, I, I used to smoke a lot of weed. I don't I do not do it anymore. But uh, I got, shall we say, nuanced views about vices. But marijuana's not mine. I just don't like it. Okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah, not for everybody. Yeah. Um, you uh, is... is uh, 
marijuana all you do or you do other drugs? Uh, just honestly, just to be honest, just marijuana. I don't really like doing anything other than just smoking. How old are you? I'm 18. You're 18? Okay. Well, I certainly wouldn't want to encourage you to do other drugs then, but yeah. <laughs> I've uh, I've done a few, and I think that there's more fun ones than marijuana. You know, it, the funny thing about marijuana, I think, is that people refer to, you know, people talk about, like, hard drugs, you know, and they say marijuana is not a hard drug. Weed is the only only drug that you wake up first thing in the morning, start getting high, be high all day, go to bed high, and be high all the time and make all your decisions while high, and it's the only one that you could do that and not be called a drug addict, right? Damn. That's crazy. Damn. I'm going to I'm even going to cap. You did make a good point just now. That's right. I mean, you you probably when you decide to do that to your hair, you will probably high as hell, right? Well, no, this is a beanie. This is a beanie. Oh, so whenever you decided to buy that hat then, then you were high, right? I mean, yes, I, w I mean, I didn't buy it. I traded homie my purple beanie for it, so I mean, I was high then. Right. So whatever you decide, you know, the, the decision to put this ridiculous thing upon your head was replaced the prior ridiculous thing that you had on your head. And both of them, you, you decide, made both of those decisions while you're high, right? And then, and, then, and then people do that, and they go, and they go to school, and they go to work, and then they vote, and they do all the things that destroy a society all while they're stoned, you know? And then they're like, no, I'm not a drug addict. I'm not like that guy who does, you know, ecstasy twice a month. You know, that guy who does ecstasy twice a month, he's a complete lunatic because he's doing hard drugs. I'm just smoking marijuana from morning until night and everything's fine. And why aren't wearing this hat? You know, but, you know, I'm not holding it against you. I'm sure you're having a good time. You know, you're 18 years old. You probably have some time to kill. I don't. I'm 43. And so, you know, if I stand around high all day wearing hats like that, I'm not going to have, a you know, anything. You look a lot younger than just 43. Well, thank you very much. You know, when I was 30, people said I looked a lot older than 30. And so, you know, maybe I just caught up after a while, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Where are you from? We're from Nevada. How about you? Nevada? I'm, I'm, fr I'm from New York. I live in New Hampshire. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, you know. And so New Hampshire is a pretty nice place to be. Nevada, uh, I don't know. You could probably have a lot of fun out in Nevada. I don't know if it's such a nice place to be anymore. Yeah, there's there's some things to do, but just the people out here just suck. Yeah, I bet the place is like you know. Do you live like near the the Vegas Strip or whatever, or are you away from all that chaos? Uh, we're I think like five hundred miles away. Yeah, about five hundred miles away from. You're you're about five hundred miles away from the Strip, so you avoid that chaos. But I bet you got your own, right? Yeah, I've never been to Vegas personally. Yeah, we've never been to Vegas. You live in Nevada, you've never been to Vegas? Well, you're 18, so it's probably not, you know, you, you'll get down there, I imagine. You know. Yeah. Probably sell that chain, go lose all your money, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, I'm down. Yeah. And so, you, you don't, uh, <clears throat> you got a girlfriend? I do not. I'm not really focused on that at the moment. You just focus on smoking pot. <laughs> I, uh, i'm just like more focusing on just getting into working and just making money what kind of what kind of work you going into uh well i'm about to be going into like just uh where or warehouse with my homie but i'm trying to like just trying to do like a whole bunch of stuff like real estate and like uh maybe just some entrepreneuring and entrepreneuring like yeah um you know the uh the real estate thing is uh you could make a lot of money in that you know um, entrepreneur, that's uh, that's a that's a more difficult prospect because 
you know, there's a lot of risk involved. I'm, I run my own business myself, but it's, you know, it's, it's nice because then you give you're your own boss, you know, you can say, kind of set your own hours, you know, but you know, the downside of it, of course, is that, you know, there's nobody else comes, picks up your shift when you're done. Right. Like if you're, if you're the boss, if you're the only guy, it's like, you know, you actually have, you have all of the responsibility and there's no like, yeah, my, yeah, yeah, I'm punching out. The, the, the clock says it's time for me to go home. That doesn't happen when you're, when you own the company, you know, but you know, the real estate thing, I know people make money in real estate. You know, they say, uh, they say, uh, you know, it's not entirely, you know, it, uh, did I lose you? You gave up on me? Okay. <laughs> Hello. What is it? everybody's high on Omi TV, I guess. How you doing? You look like your name is Mark. My name is not Mark. My name's Chris. So, Chris. so how's it going? You guys smoking some pot today? Yeah. And okay. uh how's that going for you? Good. Good. Yeah, it looks like uh looks like uh, a nice pipe you got there. Um and so uh do you guys do any other drugs or you just smoke marijuana? Just I smoke. Just do. Oh. What's that? Yeah. Yeah, other drugs. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, everything. You do, you do mushrooms. Uh, oh yeah, everything. Oh, you hung up on me again. What the hell? Hello. You too. Okay, fine. Hello. Yo, what up? Are you guys smoking pot too? What's up? <laughs> Yo, what up? What is everybody smoking marijuana on this thing today? Everybody on this thing smokes marijuana. It's hilarious. How you doing? Did I lose you? Hello? I can sing to you this song. I just want to say that I love you more than anything. What up? Yo. Yo. What's going on, man? Nothing, just chilling. Yeah? Were you, uh, you're not, okay, you're, how old are you? Eleven. Eleven? Okay, good. So, I, I hope that you're not, like, doing drugs over there or anything, because everybody else I talk to is smoking marijuana on here, not you, right? Hands free, hands free. Good boy, good boy. All right, so, we got you, we got, the kids, old as eleven, haven't become drug addicts yet. That's good news for America. Uh, you're in America, right? Yeah. Yeah. All USA. Right. USA, man. That's right. Um, I'm glad to see that. You know, a little pride in your country never uh, never hurt nobody. And so, so what's up? You uh, you like? I see you got like you 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 play video games. Yeah, I got uh, stuff. You got a whole bunch of stuff there. Yeah. What what games you play? Madden. That's a, yeah. Okay. Um, I never played that one. I never played any of the football games. You play it on the computer then or, or, on, the, or on the console? PlayStation. On PlayStation? Okay. You got the five or you still doing four? Five. Right on. Right on. And so in the in the Madden game, like, I don't know. I can't even think like, you know, I used to play football when I was a kid and I never played the football video games. When I played football when I was in like high school, you know, I'm one player, and I got to run across the field, and there's a bunch of other guys moving. How are, you, how are you supposed to control a whole team of people with a controller? You don't control the whole team. You just play as one, like, the quarterback, and then you throw to them. Okay, so the rest of them are basically, like, 
you know, they're just like NPCs, like they just they're NPCs. Okay, you get to choose the route that they run. They can run deep, short, medium. I got gotcha. you. You can run it. Oh, wait, and then you can also hand the ball off, and then you be the like the running back or. Okay. Like I got gotcha. you. So that sounds like fun. And so, uh, do you do you play football? Or you just play the video game. I play football and men. Okay, cool. And so, uh, if you're if you're 11 years old, and I guess what are you in sixth grade? Hello. What's going on? <laughs> Yo, what up, man? What's up, bro? Chill it, man. What are you doing? Oh, bro. You're drinking off, bro. Oh, bro. Whoa, you're all the way over there? It's long, bro. Drinking got shit on me, man. God damn, man. God damn, bro. All right, well, <laughs> take a Viagra so it stands up straight. Yeah, hello. How are you? Doing all right. How are you? I'm great. I'm really glad to hear that. So, what are you? Are you writing something? Uh, tattooing myself. You're tattooing yourself. Okay. Um. Well, that's good because for you a second. What? I'm sorry. I'm talking to my dog. Oh, okay. There <laughs> you are. For a second, I I'm thought sorry. you were trying to find a vein or something. I was worried about you. Everybody I bump into on this thing is getting high. They're all smoking marijuana. Are you are you do drugs? I'm not in this garage. I'm no, in my room. Not, not in this garage. You're in your room. Okay. What uh, what flavor are you vaping? Is it nicotine? You got something else in there? Something else. Something else. All right. I I'm a nicotine junkie. I got the vaporizer too, but I don't got nothing else in the thing. You know. That's um. Oh, you do both. I gotcha. So what what flavors you puffing on? Uh, burnt it, somewhat burnt watermelon ice, and something gooseberry. Gooseberry? That sounds like something out yeah, of a cartoon. I don't think there's. It does. Is there a real thing called a gooseberry, or is that something out of like Warner Brothers? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I've never I've never had a gooseberry before. It sounds like something in Willy Wonka. Um. No, so, so did you used to use Omegle and now you're on Omi TV, or did you, or were you like an OG Omi TV person? Uh, Omegle. Yeah, and then they shut that thing down, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, because of all the dicks and the pedophilia and the like, people tracking people's address and the bullying and all that. Did they solve that problem by going over here, or is it just shuffling the cards? You were it just all moved over. Yeah, it's kind of what it, you know. It's kind of how it happens, <clears throat> you know. Yeah, just a bunch of people trying to ruin it's... everything is really what it is. They say they're trying to help people, but they're not. It's like, and it's just like, bro, fucking even Omega was just like, hey, if you're fucking horny, this is the website for you, not Omega. Right. And it's just like, dude, people did it deliberately. Well, there's people who get a kick out of that, right? It's for the, for those people, it's the the arousal is in yeah, the. it's their um. Oh, I know the kink name. I can't remember it right now. But like, they're turned on by people seeing their body like that, and it's just like. I think I think the term you're looking for is voyeurism or something, and 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 I'm not yeah. I'm not familiar with like the kink dictionary or whatever. I just know that some people are scumbags, and like their their thing is that they. 
want to make people uncomfortable. You know, it's not even it's not even that just that they want to be seen. They're like, yeah, I, I'm getting I get aroused or I get a I get a certain sick pleasure out of making you unhappy. Even you know, it's it's coercive. All right, hang on. I'm going to... Okay. I'm tattooing. I'll still you want, talk. Okay. I'm just tattooing. Yeah, that's so. fine. And, like, you know, I don't know, hon. If you're going to tattoo yourself, I'd hate to tell a joke. And then and then you go, ah, ha, 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 and, and then scribble all over your arm. I don't know. This is a great idea. Uh, no, see, like, uh, you're not worried about it because I'm not that funny, right? Well, this is, like, very... It, it doesn't take, like, takes a lot to push down if that makes sense and okay start up so if i even move up slightly it'll yeah can i ask how old you are i am 16 you're 16 years old you're tattooing yourself while you're while you're getting high on thc vape so you know i was just saying to somebody else what i think is kind of funny about the weed thing you know i've done a lot of drugs over the course of my life i don't do them anymore but you know i think it's kind of funny that you know marijuana is like you know you talk about hard drugs and marijuana is not one of them as far as most people are concerned marijuana is just like yeah it's just it's just sweet man it's just a plant you know yeah but like weed is the one drug that like you can wake up in the morning and start getting high and be high until you go to bed at night and make all your decisions while you're stoned up to and including tattooing yourself at 16 while you talk to strangers on the internet while you're high and nobody ever thinks that there's like maybe some kind of like that 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 you know that that might actually not be such a hot idea after all you ever think about that well, yeah, I know it's not a smart idea. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. You don't care? I don't, I, okay. I don't give a shit about life. I've tried killing myself 13 fucking times. I don't give a shit. Well, if you've tried killing yourself 13 times, then for now I'm kind of happy that you're not very successful. But maybe if you were, like, more successful in other endeavors, then maybe you wouldn't want to die. And maybe if you were not high all the time, then maybe you would be like, yeah, maybe if I tattoo my skin up at the age of 16, I might regret this when I'm, like, a mother. I already know that I might regret this, but these are small, itty-bitty tattoos, right? Right. Uh, the one I'm currently doing. Shush, let me talk and finish my sentence. Um, so the one I'm currently doing is matching my brother, who... He might die in a couple months because pancreatic cancer. Well, so I'm. This one has meaning. Okay. And then the other two I have, uh, they like, they're small enough to where you can barely even see them, and they're going to fade over time. So it's going to get even harder. And they also have meaning, and it's just like stay happy, stay loved. Well, those are good and messages for sure. You know. Yeah. I got a tattoo when I was I think I had just turned 18. This is the only tattoo I have. It's a it's like a I'm told it's a Japanese symbol that means real. I have actually no idea if that's true or not. I just took the tattoo as word for it, you know. And I figured, you know, I can't go wrong with real, right? You know. And yeah. and, and so I didn't think figure I was going to regret that. And you know, I haven't really had much cause to. But, you know, it's it's telling to me that you tell me that you're you're 16 years old and you don't care about life and you're and you're getting high. I mean, you know, you tried to kill yourself 13 times. I mean, that seems like something trying to worth trying to work on, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm currently in therapy for that shit. Yeah. And I smoke weed because it helps me regulate my emotions, which I don't know if you understand what that is. Uh, but so, like, when I run out of weed, I, like, 
I'm very confused. I don't know how to speak. Like, I don't know how to tell people what I'm feeling, so I can't, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I used to have the same relationship with alcohol, and it was a destructive feature of my life, right? Like, I thought that, like, to be able to, like, you know, engage in social situations, I had to go drink, right? And that ended up with me being like 260 pounds and wanting to put a gut in my mouth, which I did more than once. So I sympathize with your plight, you know? And so. See, I'm successful with my life. I Not successful as in like, I'm a fucking millionaire, but no. Um, I've already graduated high school. I've had several colleges reach out to me to, you know, for me to go there because uh, of sports that I used to, I was doing school um, and then you know I'm becoming a tattoo artist and I've already had someone uh, offer to pay me about a hundred dollars an hour for a tap out session I don't know if you know what that is it's a, pretty much I go crazy with like psychedelics uh and like i go crazy tattooing pretty much and drawing on this dude's arm um and then it doesn't stop until he like taps out i'm sorry so you mentioned psychedelics in the course of this are you saying that you would be high on psychedelics and tattooing this guy until he said stop scarring my skin no 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 no, no. so like drawing psychedelics so, a drawing like, true, okay like trippy trippy shit that's okay. what i meant to say um, like, that that sounds that, a lot more reasonable than getting high and tattooing somebody. Yes. Um, yeah. And so, well, I'm glad that you're, you. So you're 16 years old. You're you're already finished with high school. Yes, I finished when I was 15. I graduated two and a half years early. Do you know your IQ? Uh, no. But you know that it's higher than average if you finished high school at 15, right? Yeah. Okay. I know that much. I'm not. Well, that kind of explains, I would say, to some extent, why you describe, you know, yourself as, you know, you say, you say to me, you try to kill yourself 13 times, you're unhappy, you're, you're, you don't give a f about life, you said, and so like, it's not uncommon for people who are like really smart to, to have like, you know, to not be at one with the world in which they are, right? Because you're, you're actually like on a whole entire different level, and the people that you come into contact with, it could be quite, sort of difficult to make connections, right? It's really funny as I actually do see dead people and talk to dead people. That's funny. I'm sorry, say it again? Uh, I'm a medium. I don't know. I heard something about like third world one, uh, dead people. Babe, you're a lot of I need to turn you down. I can barely hear over you. So, what, what is, uh, if, I, if you don't mind me asking, what, you've got somebody else on the phone while you're chatting with strangers on Omegle? Oh uh, yeah, my boyfriend. Your boyfriend, and does he? And he doesn't care that you're like, shut up, sweetheart. I'm talking to the stranger on the internet. Not necessarily. I didn't say shut up. Um, <laughs> I, I I worded it differently. I get that, but yeah, um, not much because he knows he's very loud, and like it. Well, it's not a matter of if he's loud. The question is, are you having a conversation with him, or are you having a conversation with me, or are you having a conversation with both of us at the same time? And that seems like having, the, the latter would be difficult to manage. Okay. I'm having a conversation with you currently okay. because he is having a conversation with his friends, and he's on his game. Oh, I see. Okay, so he's not – you and him are not really talking. You just have the line open, essentially, is kind of the Pretty idea. Much, yeah. Well, that's kind of cool. I mean, like – you know, in my mind, that seems kind of odd, but I guess it's kind of cool. Like, 
you just have the line there, and if you want to talk to each other, you can. That's kind of cool. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Because this motherfucker has to live five hours away from me. Oh, uh, well, that's rough. Yeah. You must really like him, then. <laughs> you're like you're like I do, and if I didn't, I wouldn't say it here because the line is open. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. So what is it? What is so special about this guy that you're willing to tolerate a five-hour, you know, distance between you? Um, the fact that his mom loves me more than him is already enough. <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people would hear that and be a little off-put by it, but I get what you're saying totally. You know, because like just the fact. Okay, so him and his mom are very close as well. But the fact that she loves me more than him, kind of just like it, 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 it'll solve a lot of problems in advance. You know, it, whether that that that's your motive, I don't know. But I, I can say that you know, I've had problems with girlfriends before, where like I'm like, hey, you know, like I'll get the mother involved, and I'll be like, hey, you know, you got to straighten this out, you know, or you know, he'll be saying some stupid. I text his mom like. Mom, my <laughs> biological son is saying some stupid. Yeah. Well, I hear that. And like, she's her kid, so, and like, my mom accepts him. So I mean. So I mean, you know, you're you're talking about a situation where you graduate high school early. You got a boyfriend. You're on. You got. You're on good terms with the mom. I mean, that sounds like you're on a marriage trajectory. I mean. Oh, that sounds like a crazy situation to say you don't care about life and you tried to kill yourself 13 times. What's going on? I haven't tried to kill myself in the past six months. Well, so. the fact that you tried to do it six months ago, I understand six months seems like a long time at the age of 16. I'm 43. Six months is not a long time in my view. And pretty soon it's not going to seem like a long time to you. I'm glad that you haven't tried in six months. But 13 times prior to that, you know, seems to suggest that, you know, there's something else going on. How long have you been with this guy? Uh, actually, we're a month as of today. A so. month as of today. Okay, so this is a fairly new relationship, and so yeah, things are on an upward trajectory in your life, fair to say. Yeah. Okay. Save, save for the brother who might be dying. Yeah. That's unfortunate. That way, if he dies, I don't give a f what the hell I have to do. I'm dead. Well, don't. I, I'm pretty sure your brother'd be pretty upset if you did that. And so, you know. Nope. <laughs> what? No. No. Um, after our older brother, me and him made a suicide pact. So. Well, you know, I think uh, might might be worth renegotiating the contract there. You know, because, you know. Nope. It's been it's been sealed off for the past four years. It's staying that way. Well, I think that if your brother's dying and you said, "Hey, bro, you know, I got this." I got this uh, this relationship going on. I've got college coming. I've got things going on in my life. I might be able to have a family and like, you know, like be able to like have a real life. You know, I think it might be probably a good idea that I don't off myself. I think your brother probably let you let you go on that. Your brother cares about you, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily like he would he would let me. Yeah. And he doesn't want me to kill myself if he does die. But I don't know how to explain it because he has helped me through so much. 
that I'm not gonna go into detail about because I will end up crying. I don't feel like that right now. I understand. You know, and you wouldn't have to do that to 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 address the issue, which is your brother your brother being dead is not going to be made an easier endeavor by you being dead too. You're gonna do that to your parents who I presume are not huge like cheering on for you to die. And so, you know, you know, you think about everybody who cares about you in this world. You're you're about to. You, you might be in a situation. You say your other brother already passed, and you had to deal with his passing. I mean, so so you understand what it's like to lose somebody you care about. And now you're talking about. Well, after my brother dies, I'm going to off myself, and I'm going to do that to all of those people who are now going to have to deal with the death of me and my brother. Do you have any other siblings between the brother who passed and the brother who has cancer now? Uh, so it was my older brother. So my current brother I'm talking about, I've known him for um, a little over five years now. Because I didn't even know he was my brother until like five years ago. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're like half siblings, some shit like that. Well, what I'm trying to get at is that if if your whole if all if you and your siblings die and then your and then basically that's the end of your bloodline, that's the end of your family, you know. And so uh, um, no, I have a younger brother and a younger sister. And and knowing my dad, he probably has uh, like two or three other kids. Oh, dad! Uh, dad was popular with the ladies, I gather. Um, and so, uh, no, he's a pedophile and uh, oh, a uh, uh, and a rapist. So, well, I'm very sorry to hear that. That could yeah. probably explain a lot of your dissatisfactions with the world that you live in. Um, and so, I'm very sorry to hear that that's the case. Um, but in any case, you know, you are a are a, a smart and if you don't mind my saying, beautiful young lady. And so, like the idea that you would deprive the future of your presence is actually kind of like. It's kind of insignificant, in, inconsiderate to the to the world that you live in. You know, there's like if you look around, <clears throat> you probably notice that. I mean, you're only 16, so you don't know. You know, it, you're going it, downhill. Our economy is. Shit. Yes. Everything is fucking global warming. Where I honestly don't expect it. I don't expect the world to make it another thousand years. Yeah, I would go so far as to say down. that. <clears throat> Global warming is probably the least of our problems, but not. Uh, uh, I understand your frame of reference would probably tell you otherwise. The, the the bigger problem, the reason our economy and everything else is going down the toilet, the reason there's so much political unrest, is because decent people are not having children, and garbage people are. Is actually what's happening, right? And so, like, when decent people are like, "Oh, well, you know, I have to, I have to control my reproduction in order to." You ever seen the movie Idiocracy? No. You should see it. It's a true story that they made into a comedy. Oh, yeah. Hang on. I'm sorry. It's one okay. of my friends. Uh, I'm sorry. One of my friends. He's hitting me up right now. Um, because he's gonna let me practice tattooing on him. Uh, right, this is buddy who I'm saying uh would let me do the tap out session on him. Yeah. And he might be in my area right now. Okay, I'll wait for you to figure it out. Oh, it's okay. Oh, shit. he might be trying to buy my weed, actually. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, uh, bitch, this is my. Shit. 
because so um one of his friends who's down here in my area is just like he's trying to buy some weed right now um well, don't be selling drugs tell him to go you know figure out bitcoin you know that, that that'll, that'll be a way to get you you'll be in a lot of trouble they catch you doing that you know i don't know what you, what your laws are where you live but generally speaking they tend to frown upon the dealers you know and so, you know. I've done it before. Yeah, uh, most drug dealers have. They they get they sell it a million times and they never get caught and then they go to prison. It's kind of it's kind of how it works. Um, but what I was going to say is that you know the reason the reason that everything's going downhill, the reason that our politics are becoming unstable and the the economy is 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 literally it's a genetic problem. It's that you know good people they they see like okay you know money's short or i have this other opportunity so i'm going to delay having children and people who are garbage people who don't care about the future they just keep on producing kids right and then eventually you have like a, that's a that there's a genetic you know there's a genetic consequence of that which is people who plan for the future are not the genetic stock of the population and then people are just acting in the moment they're not planning for the future and then sure enough the future gets here and we're all in a lot of trouble you know and so it's important that, like, attractive, intelligent people, you know, keep their lives together and have kids. Otherwise, the whole society goes to hell, you know? Yeah. Well, see, so, like, you know, you see how I turned out, but I grew up with a... I Okay, so my bio dad was a rapist, drug addict, alcoholic, um, kid lover, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and my mom, uh, druggy. Hey, baby, I'll be right back. I need to go talk to my mom. Okay. Sorry, on the phone with my boyfriend as well. It's okay. Um, but so, you know, I didn't have the best parents. I didn't know my mom until I was like nine. I grew up with <laughs> different different women every day. Um, and so, you know, I wasn't raised good. I didn't have good genetics. My dad flunked out of, um, he flunked out of high school. So did my mom. She flunked out because of me. So I feel bad for her there. Um, but I graduated two and a half years early. So. Well, that's not unusual, right? So like genetics are complex. It'd be a bit more than I could endeavor to explain in the course of this conversation. But, you know, there's traits do not always pass directly to the next generation say right and but you have potential clearly if you if you're able to graduate high school at the age of 15 then you have potential and that means that your genes have potential that that does not exist in other genes right and so like the fact that you came from this you know tragic situation and have the potential to make something of yourself is all the more reason not to throw it away you know it's actually it's actually not only is it not in your interest to do because believe me when I tell you you know I you know there's been many times between the, between the ages of you know 13 and 43 where I was like I don't want to live anymore I get that I get that impulse completely but you know you sure enough you get through that period of time and then you get to a later period of time you're like wow it's a good thing I'm alive because I get to do this you know and so like that's important, and it's and it's important beyond the horizon of your own existence too. Like you think of, you know, at your age, it's obvious, you know, it's it's completely normal that you think of things in terms of your own experience. But as you start to get older and you realize, like, you're going to die whether you like it or not, you know, then 
you start yeah. thinking about what so what what I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. Yep. Whether it's from something I do or something natural causes, something I couldn't have prevented. Obviously. So that's why I live my life the way I do. I do whatever the fuck I want because you know what? And I'm gonna be remembered for doing stupid shit, and it's gonna be funny, and people are gonna laugh when they remember me. Well, you can They're be. They're not gonna remember some strict ass. Who is just like, oh my god, math, science, like, nerdy. I don't, I don't think that you need to pursue math and science. I think you need to pursue well, family. Know, you know, like, I'm who's sure. gonna, who's gonna remember you as your children, right? That's the thing. And like, if I don't want to have kids, I'm sorry, I don't want some eight pound human being coming out of my cooch. Well, I understand that that probably is off putting in this moment, but. I know a lot of women who felt that way, and then when they get into their like late thirties, they're like panicking that they've got to get this done, right? And that's actually a pretty sad sight to see if you ever have had any exposure to that. That you know, people, you know, part of what's going on is you're like fed this like feminist propaganda that like tells you like, oh, a woman needs a man, like a fish needs a bicycle, and all this nonsense, and that like you're just like pursue your pursue other goals at the expense of raising a family, and then what happens? To women who are in their like late thirties and early forties who who have pursued that their whole lives, they're like, "Well, I better I better get married and have kids right away," you know. And so, like, you know, I understand that that's a far off prospect to you, and it probably means very little that I'm saying that, or it might even sound annoying or stupid. But it's a real it's a real phenomenon. And like, when you talk about how you're going to be remembered, like being remembered as like a mother is like the most significant thing. You know, the hand that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world is what they say, right? Like, there's a meme I saw was great. Like, there's, like, a woman who was like, I became a scientist. And then there's another woman who said, like, I gave birth to nine scientists. You know? And, like, who, which one of these women made a bigger difference in the world, actually? Right? It's a, it's a thing worth thinking about. That, like, when you, bring, when you bring human beings into the world, you do so... You, you, the impact that you have on the world around you is so dramatic that, like, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it can be easy to get the idea that, this is something that is less significant, but it's actually not. You know, it's it's definitely not more significant than that. Dude, I'm not having kids. I've never wanted to have kids. I've always hated kids. Mm -mm. I'm not a kid person. Did you ever have, like, baby dolls when you were a kid? Huh? Did you have baby dolls when you were a kid? Yeah. And what did you do? Did you, like, break their necks and throw them in the garbage? Or what did you do with the baby doll ki when you were kids? I just never played with them. You just never played with them? Yeah. And so, like, when you're with, the, when you're with this boyfriend and, you, and you know, you're feeling, like, affectionate with each other. If you, have, uh, if you don't mind my asking, I'm sorry, I don't mean to get too personal, but have you had sex with this boy yet? Uh, no. No? So. Okay. Have you had, or you, or have you, okay. Do you like sex? Yeah. Okay. You, you understand that, you know, the the reason that sex is like the most rewarding thing for us psychologically is because it's part of our, you know, Darwinian survival it's process. It's part of our human nature because our human nature is to breed yada, yada, yada. It's yeah. actually like imperative to the survival of our species. And if we don't do it, then we go extinct. It's actually kind of, it matters a lot. You know, you know what? If we, we, I don't think we're going to go fucking extinct. We have 8 billion people in this world. And unless the sun has already exploded 40 million years ago, I don't think it even takes that long. 
I'm sorry. Well, We're all going to die anyways. Well, that is, you and me and everybody who's alive today are going to be dead someday. That's that's certain, right? Mm-hmm. Whether or not there's going to be human beings on the earth in a, in a given term of years is a less certain question, right? And so, mm-hmm. and, and it's not disconnected from who's having the children, right? So, like, you know, if you take... You know, take every, you know, you talk about there's, you know, seven, eight billion people in the world. Well, like, mm-hmm. how do most of those people live? And the answer is not very good, right? You look at Africa, you look at much of South America, you look at most yeah. of the world, they're actually not living very well. And That's they're because- having, they're having children off the roof, right? They're just through the charts, mm-hmm. you know, off the charts, you know, just reproducing like it doesn't. They're having kids. The people who actually like made society possible, they're not doing it. And then what's going to happen is we're going to we're going to live like jungle animals, right? Because the people who are capable of making civilization work, they don't have children. The people who are not capable of making civilization work, they do. And so when you talk about seven, eight billion people in the world, how many of those people are actually capable of like having a civilized society? The answer is not one billion. And actually, probably about three billion. Because look at Canada and America. That's at least three billion. Babe, why did you moan? I don't know the population of Canada. I know that the population of the United States is less than 400 million people. Okay. And so I'm under the impression that Canada has a lower population than us. I could be wrong about that. I haven't checked. But if you go take, uh, you take Canada, Europe, and the United States, right? What do they, what do they all have in common is there's a the big problem with immigration, right? The government wants to let new people in because the people who live in the country are not reproducing, right? And so they want to replace their populations with third world human beings. You know, you're aware of that? Japan, you can only have like one or two kids. Um, did you know that in America, our immigration, we have the like worst immigration system, but we have borders on everywhere? Well, yeah, we have we have a completely out of control. There's no there's no immigration controls anymore, right? They just millions of people come in every year illegally is what's going on, right? And yeah. the, and and to come into the country legally is a big pain in the neck. I'm definitely aware of that. You know, especially if you want to come from Europe or something. If you're coming from some third world country and you have nothing yeah. to offer, then we'll subsidize it, you know. Dude, I had to get deported from Canada when I was like 14. That was so funny to me. Well, there you go. Like Canada will deport you, right? But Canada will totally tolerate like third world people who hate their civilization coming in and completely dominating their society. No, 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 no. I like I, I'm American born. I'm yeah. American born. I know. I illegally ended up in Canada for like two weeks. I had to get myself deported. Well, that's what I'm like, saying. But oh well, you tried to get deported. Well, you try hard enough at something like that, and you'll succeed. You know. But, you know, there's people who come to Canada who have no reverence for Canadian society whatsoever, don't speak the language, have a different religion, actually want to violently overthrow the government. They come there and they... So? Okay, wait, wait, no, no, shut the f*** up for five seconds. Religion? Who gives a shit about religion? Like The, the okay. people who have the religion care about it a great deal. Well, yes, I know that. I understand people are just like, OMG, religion, but, like, you don't have to have a certain religion. You don't have to... You, ha- you don't have to be Christian to live in Texas. I don't think you do, and that's a good thing because I'm not a Christian. I'm just saying that when other people believe in radically different things than you do, and then they believe that your society is supposed to succumb to their ways, there therein lies the conflict. And so, like, I don't think that somebody has to be a Christian to live in a decent civilization. 
But I do think it helps that I, you know, we come from a Christian tradition. It's, you know, our, our norms are largely the same as Christians, right? And so, like, when I talk about, you know, Muslims coming into the country, for example, it's not just that they have a different religion. It's that their religion has a, it dictates a totally different way of life that impacts their politics. So, like, when they vote, they vote in a way that is supposed to transform the society in a more Muslim direction. I don't think that you would very much love to live in an Islamic society. I went to a Jewish school in your. <laughs> you went to a Jewish school. I, I have. Okay. I are, have. are you of Jewish ancestry or or? Yes. Okay. Okay. My great grandmother is Jewish. Well, that explains your like aversion to the subject matter. I understand, but si simultaneously, you can sort of see where I'm going with this. That it's sort of inescapable that you know when you have people who come into your society or hostile to your way of life, you know. The hostility is going to manifest itself in political outcomes, and then the society, you know, has a lot of trouble as a consequence, right? Yeah. And so, you know, and when you have, you know, you talked about the economy before. I mean, the economy is not disconnected from politics. So, you know, if you have a situation where the society, you know, you have two groups of people, two or more groups of people, basically interest groups battling to the death for control over the government and all of their interests are averse to one another and they're all trying to impose upon one another then like the government's going to be completely consumed with that conflict and it can't manage the economy and then things spiral out of control and then and then you know the cost of beef goes up three times right and then and then as a consequence of that then it's more difficult to have children and then the, the, the situation just gets exponentially worse because you're increasing the cost of living the people who are capable of like planning for the future and controlling their reproduction in order to deal with the cost of living they don't have children the people who don't care about the future who aren't thinking in those terms they keep on reproducing and then they become the dominant demographic and then they destroy everything right yeah but see i'm not going to have kids because it's going to be way too f***ing expensive and like just because you know by the time that I'm 20, the minimum pay is probably going to go up about 20 cents. Well, it, if that. it could go up, it could go up 300 percent. It won't make a damn bit of difference because what they'll be doing is they'll be a compensating for other problems in the economy that's created. The minimum wage is completely irrelevant. The, co the question is, what are your wages? comparative to the cost of living right and so like a minimum wage does nothing to change that all it does is change the number of you know monetary units dollars or whatever they happen to be that's all that that does it doesn't doesn't make you any richer you know the minimum wage in a lot of places right now is $15 an hour the minimum wage in New Hampshire is seven something it's like it's at the you know whatever the federal minimum wage is and yeah most places don't pay the federal minimum wage. They pay what they have to pay to keep their workers working. You know, and even at that, you know, the the costs, the increased cost of living have, you know, really become prohibitive of a lot of people of getting their lives off the ground, which causes them not to reproduce. Which causes, as I said before, the people who don't plan for the future reproducing anyway, and then outnumbering the people who do, which creates the problems that you're complaining about. And it's it's a bit much for a person in your position to take on responsibility for that. And I think that that's obvious and i'm probably in one ear out the other here but you know should a time come when you start taking an interest in the world around you and like feeling like you're you know socially responsible for things beyond what happens in the room that you're sitting in you know you might start thinking about that let's see i'm not responsible for you, had, 
anything other than me and what I do. Okay, and the the reason that our societies are spiraling out of control is because too many people believe that, right? It used to be that people thought they had an obligation to their country, you know, to their civilization. And now we're facing a situation where our country is going to and why exactly right why is that happening it's because the people of the country don't believe they have an obligation to the country because we don't well if if you if nobody has an obligation to the country then like what are is it our destiny to live in squalor and conflict honestly if that is the way that we head down it's our own fault or gods whichever you want to Believe. Well, exactly, though. So, like, I am not going to attribute anything to God. I'm going to say that we're all responsible for the world in which we live. And so, like, when you tell me I have no obligation to my country, if everyone in the country has the same belief as you do, then why would we be surprised when everything goes all to hell? If the people of the society believe that they have an obligation to their fellow man, well, then actually, then you can have a civilization, but not otherwise, right? But, well, we're going into the animal kingdom right now but hang on okay look at chipmunks okay okay this is so random but they don't live they don't have politics obviously they don't have in like um they don't have taxes and shit like that they don't have shit like that right stick with me i'm sorry i'm this listening very weird path but they live like that, and they live practically in perfect harmony, other than, like, the different, you know, types in the different areas and shit like that. The differences. That's Except the that they're thing. eaten by owls and stuff, yeah. Chipmunks? Or, not chipmunks. Chip. Uh, I meant, like, not orangutans, gorillas. That's what I meant. Gorillas, okay. So they, they live in harmony with nature, essentially, and they live yeah. as gorillas in the woods. And so, you know, we can live as gorillas in the woods. Like, that's actually, you know, currently that seems like our most likely trajectory. And then the question becomes, actually, are we fit to survive as gorillas in the woods after living for, you know, hundreds of thousands of years with all the technologies of civilization? The, the question to that, the answer to that question might very well be no. In which case, you know, we would just cease to exist and then, you know, gorillas in the woods would be the highest form of life on this planet. And, you know, there's a lot of people who probably want that. The extinction of mankind, you know, it seems appealing to a lot of people. I'm, I'm among those who don't uh, desire that. Well, that's understandable. <laughs> but but you, see, you, you think the extinction of humanity is probably a goal worth pursuing? Not necessarily. It's just like... We're we're gonna end up dying anyways. The yeah. end of humanity is going to happen. Well, you know that's that's not disconnected from the choices that humans make. You know that, right? I know it's not. I know it's not. But it is like that is irreversible. That is like currently with our technology and our science, it is irreversible. You think that the advancement of technology and science makes the extinction of mankind inevitable? Uh, wait, no. Okay, so I think currently with the science that we have right now, we can't fix our world. Like, we can't fix our planet. And if we just, like, stop everything right now, like, and, you know, stop adding to global warming, uh, 
then, you know, we're still gonna end up dying because we have fucked up this planet enough that, you know, I don't know if you've noticed, but NASA is trying to see if Mars is livable. Now, see, they could just be like, oh, okay, you know, we can split the population and, like, kind of declutter and make the economy at least a little bit better because the economy is so because we have so many people. So we have a lot of people, like, we have a lot of jobs that are overstaffed. So, you know, they're letting people go and there are more people that are losing their jobs. So they're becoming, like, homeless or in just happening and then it's making the economy worse so we kind of just need a like hunger games type where we kill off half the population just natural selection that shit. well all right let's let's analyze that a little bit so we have homelessness and unemployment you describe as being this major problem and you you don't attribute that to global warming, though, right? You're saying that that's just sort of like some inescapable consequence. Is that the idea? Yeah, like okay. global warming's unescapable, pretty much. Well, I'm, I'm not, let's. I could dispute the global warming thing. Let's just try to stick with employment for a second. So, yeah. you know, you can observe in the United States that there's homelessness and unemployment going on, drug addiction, this sort of thing. You attribute this to a lack of jobs for people to perform as a consequence of overpopulation. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much, yeah. Okay. So what if we were to say that, like, okay, you're, you know, if we pass a law that says you can't outsource jobs overseas, like, that would very rapidly solve the unemployment problem in the United States, I imagine, right? I think so, yeah. We, we could also do that by restricting immigration. And so if you can't outsource jobs and you can't bring in new people, then you're going to have full employment very rapidly, don't you think? Yeah, and okay. that'd be good because then that would decrease homelessness, uh it would quite honestly just make America a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we need to do, right? So we we yeah. in, we institute trade barriers, tariffs, this sort of thing, and we limit immigration severely, and then we stop with the unemployment and then all of the corrosive effects of that, homelessness, drug addiction, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the, the failure to start families, this vision of hopelessness yeah. that you seem to be enduring all goes away just by limiting immigration and trade, right? And so, like, yeah. those are actually, like, solvable problems that America can do if it just elects wise and responsible leaders, which becomes impossible because we're producing a population that doesn't think about the future, right? The people who can think yeah, about the future, that, they and don't. Have just... And the people who don't think about the future have many, many children. And those children are then subsidized by the people who think about the future, which creates this cascading downward spiral of genetic catastrophe that we're racing towards and that you're you're cheering on. We'll see, like, have a bunch of old men that like to run for president. They don't give a shit about the world. They're just like, oh, hey, let me be president. Well, give me the power. I want. I would say that there's a lot of truth to that. I would say that. Whether they're old men or not is actually not the deciding factor. It's a question of... Well, yeah, no, but there's just a lot of people that are just like, oh, I want to be president. Let me be president. I promise I'll do good for this world. And then they just end up picking it up worse. Well, there's a, uh, lot, there's a lot of truth to that. And so, like, you know, 
and I think that the people who claim to care the most about the world are the people who are actually working the hardest to destroy it. It's kind of what you end up observing if you pay close enough attention to politics. That they, The people who are like, yeah. oh, yeah, I say all the happy, lovey things that you want to hear are lying to you to get elected. It's the people who tell you the uncomfortable things that are the people who are trying to help you. And we end up rejecting them rather uniformly yeah. because we live in a society of cowards. And, you know, that's, that's kind of a, a pretty major problem, you know. And yeah. so, you know, I think that Donald Trump failed to do a lot of things, but, you know, he at least wanted to restrict the immigration and the trade, which is like what yeah. we just established will actually solve the problem. And then and then people were like, "Ew, you're a racist. I don't like you. You say mean things. I'm going to elect Joe Biden. And now we have a man who can't who can't stand up straight trying to wage a war with Russia. And that's going to result in World War Three if we don't change that very rapidly. You know? Yeah. I like honestly I kinda wanna go back to Obama. I go like, back to Obama. Yeah, life was better. Also, I was really young, so I don't know necessarily that much about our economy, but I remember like it was cheaper. Gas was like two seventy nine a gallon. When when Obama left office, gas was much higher than when he came in. When Donald Trump came in, Donald Trump got gas prices lower okay so like barack obama came in and basically he he reaped some rewards that you know some of the catastrophes that happened during the bush administration were just coming to a close inevitably right that was going to happen one way or another and then you know he's like okay well now we're gonna have free health care and we're gonna do all of these different things and you know he he went about changing the rules of the economy in ways that were not actually very good but you know, those things don't happen right away. You don't feel the effects of economic policy changes sometimes until years or even generations down the road. And so, you know, Barack Obama was certainly better than Joe Biden. And that's not something that I take any comfort in saying because I'm not a big fan of Barack Obama. But, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of effort to be a worse president than Joe Biden. And so, like, you know, we're in this position where, you know, you know, you have all of these things. They keep on kicking the can down the road trying to avoid responsibility for the changes that need to happen and what you need to do is you need to restrict immigration and trade and you and you need to stop spending money that we don't have and those three things like will solve the problems that you're talking yeah. about but they won't do it because it will create some temporary discomfort for the population and because nobody believes they have an obligation to the future nobody will vote for it see so like there's, I know the Florida governor, he's running for president. Uh, Not anymore, he dropped out. Okay, thank God. But when he was, I was just like, I told my grandma, if he gets elected for president, then we're, we're moving out. We're moving out of America. We're going to Canada or Mexico. I'll give a shit. She's packing her shit and we're going. You'd rather have another four years of Joe Biden than four years of Ron DeSantis? Yeah, most definitely. I'm sorry, Why? but the fact that, okay, so they banned so many different books, it got so stupid that, like, the law, if you read that law specifically, um, and you applied those rules to the Bible, they would have to ban the Bible in the whole state of Florida. Well, as a matter of fact, I, I know the law that you're talking about, and so what it actually does is it gives the parents a say right so like you know the parents have a say in what's going to be taught to the kids and so what 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 it happened as a response to is basically 
school teachers and administrators going and like shoving all this like transgender stuff down the kids' throats, okay? Oh, yeah, no. That, uh uh, unacceptable. I'm trans and I'm gay. Unacceptable. I don't well, give a sh. You're, you're female, right? You're capable of producing I'm, uh, children. I'm female to male. You're, so you're capable I, of producing children and you have a boyfriend, right? Yes. Okay. So what they were doing is cramming ideas into the heads of kids, which led to the sort of like pathologies that you're describing about your life, actually. And so the the, the people of Florida were like, stop propagandizing, propagandizing, propagandizing our children against having families. And the government of Florida was responsive to the demands of those families, right? And so they did this. And they said, okay, well, you know, you can, the parents can intervene if there's a problem with the sex education in the schools. And the parents did intervene and were like, no, I don't want you to teach that. And as a matter of fact, we've been banning the Bible from schools for a very long time in large part. And so, like, actually, when you're saying that, they've, they've been trying to get the Bible out of schools for much longer and for much worse reasons, right? And now we're like, okay, well, stop teaching the kids that they can change their sex by declaration. And that's not an unreasonable thing for a responsible society oh, yeah, to do. It's like, it's not, like, I don't understand why the hell they were, like, teaching. Once you're in, like, high school, like, high school, I mean, it's like, that's when you're most life. That's when you're just, like, you're going through puberty and and you know you need to know you have those options pretty much well i don't i don't think that that's necessarily true because you actually don't have those options it's fake right so you're describing yourself as a, a female to male transgender believe me when i tell yeah. you like, like okay. you probably haven't hang started on. hormones yet but you're going to i, I imagine right yeah all right hang on let me talk real quick okay so i changed my gender not my sex i know my female i am not stupid I know my sex is female. Gender is completely different. It is a social construct that really isn't a real thing. I mean, it yes, it is real, but it's not, like, it's not, we made it up. No, we much. didn't. It's been with us since the dawn of time, and it's with every animal besides human beings. And so, like, the idea that no, we can change no, these things no, is a, a brand new fiction. No, 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 I'm not going to shut up. I'm telling you something that you don't know because I'm smarter than you and I'm older than you and I know more, okay? So what you're saying is that gender is, a, is something that human beings created. That is not yes. true. That is fake. And, and, and the evidence no, of not. that, the evidence of that is that in pursuit of this fiction, you intend to physically alter your body, right? You intend to take hormones, which will give you the appearance of being masculine, okay? Which tells you that yes. sex is actually determinative of your gender, and this is a science project to change it. That's a human endeavor. That's not what came before. My sex is still going to be female. Right, but you're going to mangle your body with hormones and surgery in order to make yourself appear masculine. And you're going to be very unhappy when you do that, as a matter of fact. No, I'm not. You're, you are. I know the, I know some of these people. You're going to be very unhappy. I promise. I've always, like, I've always been more masculine. And not, like, in the tomboy way. Like, I've never wanted to have have kids never wanted any of this 
An aversion to having children is not a masculine trait, by the way. Like, men want to have children. I don't want to have a kid. That's what I'm saying. So, like, what you're talking about is not a masculine trait. That's not a masculine thing. It doesn't have to be a masculine trait. What you're saying, no, what you're you're describing as a masculine trait, your aversion to having children. That's a different pathology. It has nothing to do with masculinity. That's all I'm saying. What? What you're saying, what you just said to me is, I've always been more masculine. I don't want to have children. You're connecting those two things. That's not an accurate connection. No, I didn't. I didn't say that. Those are the words that came out of your mouth, but okay. I meant to say ever since I was a child, something like that. Okay. Well, what I'm getting at is that what you're describing as, you know, your desire to take on a masculine form has nothing to do with your desire not to reproduce. That's a different pathology. I know. I'm not that and, stupid. And it is a pathology, right? So, like, you know, are you familiar with Darwin, Charles Darwin? Okay. So, like, you know, if you're facing a situation that's prohibitive of reproduction, you're actually... <laughs> Crazy. Hello? Hello? <laughs> what up? How's it going, buddy? How you doing? I'm good, fine. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. So, what, um, what you up to? Listen, why do you sound like Peter Griffin? Uh, because I am Peter Griffin, in fact. I'm the guy who did the cartoon voice in the show. You serious? Yeah. I'm kidding. I'm lying. I'm totally full of crap. I just made that up. No, I just, uh, I used to live in New York, and now I live in New Hampshire. I lived in Virginia for a while, and so, like, I picked up some different dialects that give me an do odd people accent. Tell you that? Do people tell you that? I've been told that more than once, yeah. I'm the host of a radio show, so like I've kind of got like a radio guy voice, and then I've got some odd accent things going on. Is my room loud? Um, I can hear like a fan, but it's really not bad. Okay, because like, it's louder for me, because it's like this. This thing. This thing? Oh, what, your computer's running? No. Oh, you've got a white noise thing. A white noise thing to try to, like, so people don't hear what you're talking about? It's, um... You see that machine right there? That that little round thing by your keyboard? Or behind? No. Oh. oh, your 3D printer. Yeah. Is that what that is? Yeah. 3D printer? Yeah. You're, you're printing something? What are you, are you making guns or what? I'm um, kidding. <laughs> what, are you, what are you 3D printing? I, I really forgot... I was trying to like three print a tiny wait. I I I three D printed a star that said you should kill yourself now. That that has the word on it. That has words on it. it. Says you should kill yourself now. So I really hope that you're not under the impression that you'd improve your life by ending it, right? No, I want to live as long as I can. Yeah. Well, you might. You know. Have you thought about cleaning up your room in pursuit of that? Why does it look like I'm? Why does it look like? The room of someone that would kill themselves that's trying to kill themselves. No, what I'm saying is that you've you've told me that you you produced a product you you produced something with your 3D printer which presumably took some time that said you should kill yourself, which tells me that you have you have ideas in your head that pertain to suicide. And then when you show me your floor, there's crap all over it. So what I'm saying is that like you seem to like lack motivation for life is what I'm observing. I I just put that there because I thought it'd be funny. It's not funny, just so you know. I understand that like you might have a different sense of it in the moment, and I I'm not you know, condemning your art or whatever, but it's it's very unfunny suicide. It's not it's not funny at all. I talk I'm not this... saying suicide is funny. Okay, good. I'm saying like the tone that it's like tight that it's like in. 
So in your mind, like, the idea that you would kill yourself is so preposterous that it's funny to say. It's not the suicide part. It's the tone that the, word, that the words are in. It's the tone like, that... Like the letters. Okay. Are they in, like, happy tones or something? Like, it, on the sans font with, like, the now, like, all capitals with an exclamation point. Okay, so you did it in, in comic sans font, so it's like it, the, the lettering is supposed to make it appear humorous? Yep. I get it. Okay, I understand that. All right. Well, aim higher next time, and I think that, you know, if you keep up with it, maybe you'll produce some good art, you know? I made the model myself. It wasn't really that hard. Yeah. But you can barely see the letters. Where the f*** is the star? I can see you have a digital background. <sighs> Did I lose it? Oh, my God. Holy I need to keep track of it. How old oh, shit, are you? That failed. The print failed. The print failed. How old are you? No, it didn't. Never mind. It's like half. It's like. It's like half. Does this look failed? The um, ring. Uh, it's a little thin for me to see on the camera. Um. I don't know what was supposed to be at the tip of it, but, I mean, you've got a ring. I mean, it's the ring part is a ring. I don't know if there was supposed to be a, a thing on the top of it that's failed, but. What if I just make, like, I'm going to make the weirdest ever. Yeah? I'm not going to make the model, but I'm just going to look on the universe. Make a what? Thingiverse. A thingiverse? Shit. Yeah. Okay. Thingiverse. I'm gonna... What up, buddy? Alright, so, that's my Omi TV test run. We'll see how it goes. Alright, guys, welcome back to Surreal Politics. I hope that uh, you got some enjoyment out of that. Mixed reactions in the chat. Gear Adrift on Rumble said, this is cancer, why do this? Uh, you know, because you got to, you know, you gotta, we got to treat the cancer, right? Um, the chat on Odyssey has been a lot of fun. I just want to give a shout out. I couldn't possibly get through all the gems, but I'll give a shout out on Odyssey to uh, Chopper Effer. And Chopper Effer, uh, you're... The, the message that I'm looking for has fallen out of my buffer here, but uh, he I think he said he's got four kids. And so thank you very much for producing those wonderful young children, sir. I appreciate your service to your country and your race and your nation and your world. Thank you very much. 217-688-1433. You like to be on the program. And the more you talk, the less I have to. So please do give us a call. Let's go check if uh, I put that phone number in the chat. I don't know if anybody took me up on it yet. They have not. So I'm going to go over do a little news. And as a matter of fact, I've got a story here. Um, you know, New York Times, not always the best way to stay informed, but something kind of moved me. And I read there earlier today. This is a piece in the New York Times was linked at uh, Revolver News today. And uh, short on soldiers, Ukraine debates how to find the next wave of troops. 
Now, if you pay any attention to what's going on in the news, they keep on telling you that they're going to win the war pretty soon, right? All they need is another $60 billion, another $60 billion there, you know, a few more billion. And eventually they're going to wipe out the Russian war machine because, you know, they're the good guys. And the good guys always win. And you know that because, because World War II and stuff, you know. And the thing is that they all know that that's not true. And everybody who knows anything about anything knows that that's not true. And everybody who says otherwise is either a liar or an idiot, right? Well, it's getting to a point where it's hard to accuse them of stupidity. Like, they have to be intentionally deceiving you at this point. And if there was any doubt about that, then listen to this piece in the New York Times. A potential expansion of the nation's military draft to replenish the exhausted, battered army has become an emotional, politically charged issue. This is Andrew E. Kramer reporting from Kiev for the New York Times. Soldiers fight in freezing, muddy trenches bombarded by artillery or in warrens of burned and blown up houses in urban combat. Casualty rates are high and dangerous missions like storming enemy-held tree lines abound. As they plan for a renewal of Ukraine's military under extreme conditions, both the country's former top commander and his replacement have emphasized the same looming problem, a need to relieve exhausted battered troops whose combat tours have stretched nearly two years. In a tumultuous week for Ukraine's war effort, President Volodymyr Zelensky removed his commanding general, General Valery Zeluzny, on Thursday, while aid from the country's largest source of weapons and ammunition, the United States, hung in doubt in the Congress. While Ukraine relies on allies for weaponry, replenishing the ranks is a domestic challenge. Small protests have broken out in opposition to a parliament promote proposal to expand the draft to include younger men, but so far lawmakers have slow-walked the measure. Military analysts have mostly coalesced around the idea that Ukraine will, at best, hold existing front lines in ground fighting this year with a new influx of American weaponry and risk falling back without it. It plans to replenish its ranks through mobilization while keeping Russia off balance with long-range drone strikes and sabotage operations behind enemy lines inside Russia. In announcing the appointment of General Alexander Sersky to command the military, Mr. Zelensky said he wanted a new management team for the armed forces. He has signaled a search for a new strategy that accounts for exhausted frontline soldiers in Ukraine's million-man army, which is fighting the largest war in Europe since World War II. He suggested a partial fix by cycling more soldiers from positions in the rear into combat. He also signaled, quote, a new approach to mobilization and recruitment without elaborating. Mobilization had been a factor in General Zeluzny's dismissal. The plans for calling up more soldiers to fight in grim trench warfare were somebody, uh, something nobody in Ukraine's military or civilian leadership wanted to be associated with. General Zeluzny and Mr. Zelensky had been in open public disagreement over mobilization since December. Mr. Zelensky at a news conference that month said General Zeluzny's staff had asked to draft 450,000 to 500,000 men, a comment that appeared intended to shift responsibility to the military for a decision to call up so many more soldiers, opposition politicians said. General Zeluzny responded that the decision was not up to the military. He said the armed forces had prepared estimates of their manpower needs to allow for rotations of those serving now, replace soldiers killed or wounded in combat, and anticipate future losses. 
Quote, we need shells, weapons, and people, General Zaluzny said. Everything else is done by the bodies that have that authority. In a statement after his appointment on Thursday, General Sersny, uh, Sersky, I should say, listed among his priorities the life and health of servicemen and said the military would seek a balance for units between frontline deployments and training. On this extraordinarily delicate issue for Ukraine, quote, the unity is gone, said Irina Frizz, a member of parliament with opposition European Solidarity Party, said in an interview. The question of mobilization was sabotaged for politics. The bill on mobilization has passed a first reading in Ukraine's parliament. It would lower the conscription age from 25 to 25 from 27 and stiffen penalties on draft dodgers. Ukraine currently drafts men between the ages of 27 and 60. Under martial law, all men 18 to 60 are prohibited from leaving the country lest a decision be taken to draft them. Men with three or more children are exempted, but men with three children or fewer who volunteered, uh, whose families expanded as they served, have not been permitted to leave the military. The bill in Parliament also allows for the demobilization of troops after three years of service, holding out the prospect of a reprieve about a year from now for soldiers who have been fighting since the invasion in 2022. The law is expected to pass this month and take effect in March. Yaroslav Zelezniak, a member of opposition Holos Party, wrote on Telegram. For draft-eligible men, trench warfare is a harrowing prospect. Soldiers die from artillery, exploding drones and snipers, as well as in close-quarters combat with Russian forces. Russia's ubiquitous landmines have blown legs or feet off thousands of Ukrainian men, and bunkers where soldiers slept last winter were overrun by rodents drawn to the warmth or the log, warmth of the log or rough timber structures, worsening the unpleasant conditions on the front. Soldiers on the front typically spend three days or so sleeping in shifts in trenches and bunkers under fire, followed by three days in less, less risky reserve positions, such as abandoned houses in nearby villages. Ms. Fritz, the lawmaker, said Ukraine's government and parliament must design the draft to balance the needs of the army and the economy and to maintain political stability, all issues beyond the scope of the military's duties. Lowering the draft age, for example, would bring more live, healthy soldiers to the fight, but would pose long-term risks for sustaining Ukraine's population, given the country's demographics. Now, this is the part really killed me to read. As in most former Soviet states, Ukraine has a small generation of 20-year-olds because birth rates plummeted during the deep economic depression of the 1990s. Because of this demographic trough, there are now three times as many men in their 40s as in their 20s in Ukraine. Drafting more men in their 20s, given the likely battle casualties, would risk reducing the number of births in this small generation of Ukrainians resulting in declines of draft age and working age men decades from now and endangering the country's future security and economy. In one move to ease the concerns of men who are called up but want to have children, Parliament is considering a bill to pay medical bills for soldiers who wish to freeze their sperm to allow their partners to become pregnant if they die in combat. Ukraine's labor pool is already vastly diminished by women fleeing the war and men joining the army. A crowd angry about the draft blocked a road outside a western Ukrainian village last week in a rowdy confrontation with drivers and the police that illustrated the political risks of expanding mobilization. Villages in the West have been a primary source of soldiers for the Ukrainian army, and support for the war has been higher in the country's West than overall in Ukraine. But the loss of male loved ones has taken a toll on many families. 
The roadblock took place on Tuesday in the village of Kosmak in Ivano-Frankivsk region, sorry, and began with unfounded rumors in local chat groups that draft officials were coming to find the village's remaining men, the police said in a statement. About 100 women blocked a road, and the protests turned violent when they mistook a woman from a neighboring, neighboring village for a draft official, police officers said. The woman, Ivana Vanzerok, uh, wrote on Facebook that the crowd had yelled that she was a spotter for the local military recruitment office. The, acu- the accusation echoed widespread worry in Ukrainian society that spies in their midst, noted spotters, are helping Russia identify missile targets, but in this case, the source of the anxiety was the military recruitment system. Dmitro Maknachuk, Maknachuk uh, the chairman of the council that governs the village and nearby communities, told the local news media that the women agreed to disperse, but told them they were fighting against draft office employees. Now, I just want to go back to this. <clears throat> Lowering the draft age, for example, would bring more healthy live soldiers and two, the fight would pose long-term risk for sustaining Ukraine's population, given the country's demographics. As in most former Soviet states, Ukraine has a small generation of 20-year-olds because birth rates plummeted during the deep economic depression of the 1990s. Because of this demographic trough, there are now three times as many men in their 40s as in their 20s in Ukraine. Drafting more men in their 20s, given the likely battle casualties, would risk reducing the number of births in this small generation of Ukrainians, resulting in declines of draft and working age men decades from now and endangering the future country's future security and economy. Now let's boil that down a little bit. What they're actually saying is that they're going to lose this war, okay? And the question is, when the war is over, will there be a Ukrainian people? Which is kind of the big joke here, if you think about it, that, you know, there's this element that thinks that this is about Ukrainian nationalism. That this is the Ukrainian people asserting themselves as an ethnic group and demanding self-government. What in fact what is happening is the government fully understands that what they're doing is creating a situation where there won't be Ukrainians in the future. They actually know that. And they're fully aware of it and they're going to do it anyway. The question is, are they going to do it now or are they going to wait a little bit longer to do it? And they'll just keep on doing that, as a matter of fact. Because protecting Ukrainian people, protecting Ukrainian nationalism has never been the goal of the United States. And it has never been the goal of Vladimir Zelensky. And it's never been the goal of Igor Kolomoisky. It is the exact opposite they are waging a genocide against their own population and finding Russia a convenient boogeyman to blame that on. And that's pretty pretty effing sick, if you ask me. Libertariat sends $14.33, says Russians are winning the long war. Indeed, they are. It is... Uh, it's a very troubling thing that's happening over there. And I really get so annoyed, you know, with people who act like they're the, you know, you, you you hear what they just said, the New York Times. They're like talking about, okay, well, we already had this situation where as a consequence of the last communist lunacy that we engaged in, there's, you know, not enough human beings to wage war. And there's not enough human beings to wage this war, 
so we're going to lose it. But we, uh, you know, what we have to do is we need to draft more men into the war. But if we do that, then there won't be enough births to have a future generation, as a matter of fact. And they, they put this in terms of the economy and the, the whatever. But actually, we know exactly what Western powers will do with that. It's, they're not going to, <laughs> they're not like, oh, well, what are we going to do about the economy, guys? We don't have enough Ukrainians. Well, you know exactly what they're going to do, don't you? Immigration. <laughs> it's a no bre- You know exactly what they're planning to do. Well, should we subsidize families? Should we legalize polygamy? Should we, uh, you know, give them fertility services? <laughs> no. That's not what they're talking about at all. What they're talking about is sending all those men off to die fighting their neighbors. And then after they're done doing that, They'll replace them with Muslims. That's what they'll do. And so everybody who's like, yeah, 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 just send the, send the weapons over, guys. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We just got to, you know, let, let uh, you know, Ukraine join the European Union and screw those Ruskies, you ziggers. How disgusting can a thing possibly be that you call that virtuous and you say that you're the one who's standing up for those people? You're not. It's really a disgusting thing to say. So, ladies and gentlemen, we do this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday in some form or another. And uh, if you're listening on some other platform at some other time, I'd invite you to join us for the live program. I don't usually play an hour video in the middle of the show, but... uh. I was kind of like hyper-conscious of the fact that, you know, these things weren't necessarily going to be all fun, right? You know, if you're just watching me get hung up on on Omega 20 times and nobody's talking to me, I don't think that's a particularly good live show. And especially in the case of Surreal Politiques, you know, I wanted to make sure that I cut out the curse words, which was no small task with that potty mouth girl I was talking to. You might have noticed her dropping out very frequently because every, every word out of her, she made Radical Agenda Stage 1 look clean by comparison every other word out of her mouth was f or s and i i actually i i was scrambling right before the show because i thought i got them all out and i realized i missed a couple when i was going back over it but um you know i think i could probably do it on radical agenda and and if we could do that you know there's probably some potential there because it's not something that requires me to do a lot of show prep you know um, so we'll see. We'll see what comes of that in the future. I can I can do the Omi TV thing. It, it was it's. Uh, I had some concerns about doing it on Omega because their terms of service were prohibitive. But that's not the case on Omi TV. So I think that we could really do it. Libertariat asked, "Was she really crying at the end?" No, I actually I played that as a sound clip. That's uh, that's just my. Uh... <laughs> It's, a, it's just a little gag that I like to play sometimes. <laughs> Pretty funny, I know. So, uh, you know, that Ukraine thing made me really upset, and so did this girl telling me that she's going to be a boy. That's the worst one, I got to tell you. Like, uh, you know, if you listen to Beauty Revisited, I talked about that at some length. That, like the, the Alan Page thing, like threw me for a loop, you know. You know, guys are like, oh, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be a woman, and they're like, okay, well, you know, whatever, go, go wear a dress and then hang yourself, whatever. You know, you're a man, we kill each other, 
if a couple of you are gone, who cares? I don't like when this stuff is done to women. It's disgusting. It's terrible. And you saw what she did. I mean, she was willing to talk to me about everything, right? But it's like as soon as that one thing, like as soon as that thing is challenged, she has to shut it down, right? Because they understand on some level that that doesn't withstand the slightest bit of scrutiny, right? She's like, oh, no, no, no. You don't understand gender yet, old man. Let me explain gender to you because gender is different from sex. It's a social construct. It's a thing that people made up, as a matter of fact. And I'm like, no, and as a matter of fact, the, the evidence of that is that you're about to start taking drugs and hormones and, and, and surgically altering your body to, to live out this fantasy of yours, which means that's the social construct, right? The, the social construct is the ideological pursuit that they're turning your body into a science experiment and they're going to completely destroy everything that is good about you and they're going to try to make you into a man and it's actually going to work out very poorly and you're going to be very unhappy and she's like well no I'm not going to be unhappy no, I'm definitely going to be happy. Girl, you've already tried to kill yourself 13 times. Believe me when I tell you, you try to be a man. <laughs> there are people who are born for that crap, kill themselves all the time. It's not It's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> you're going to take some testosterone. You're going to feel like you're on top of the world because that's what testosterone does. And then you're going to completely destroy all your beauty and your boyfriend's going to leave you. And then you're going to be like, what am I doing to my life? And then you're going to be like, you know what? I had the right idea at 10. <laughs> whenever it was that you first decided to try to off yourself. So that was pretty disturbing, to be honestly. And something tells me if I keep on doing this, I'm just going to keep on seeing disturbing things. But we do disturbing around here, and so I hope you'll stay tuned and be disturbed with me. And I certainly hope that you're willing to pay for that, because I'm not going to be able to do it if you don't. Um, I'm not going to complain about it too much, ladies and gentlemen, but if, you, uh, if you're somebody who hasn't paid, if you're somebody who uh, can, please do. If you're somebody who can't or you've paid a whole ton of money already, don't worry about it. You're set, you know. But uh, if you can and you haven't or uh, you think that uh, maybe uh, you contributed a long time and you're, uh, you're, you do, please do. If you're uh, not a member at surrealpoliteeks.com slash join, please become a member. And uh, we'll figure out uh, ways to make that more worth it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing the book thing. I hope that the books start bringing in money. That's not the case just yet, but I think if I, you know, Beauty Revisited has already been published, so it's not like that's going to be the case. But the, the, the Adventures in Libertarianism thing, I think I'm going to have to give it a different title. It's going to be a book about my run for Congress, and all of that is stuff that nobody's seen. Nobody's seen that stuff except for the people who are in those email chains, and so I think that that has a bigger potential for uh, selling books, so. Stay tuned for that. Get Beauty Revisited anyway. You want to have you want to have a physical copy of my first book. You know, some people got the the first run limited edition ugly cover version. Those people are all set. You know, but you want to have a physical copy of my first book because you know that I'm destined for greatness, and we're just we're just sort of waiting on it, just waiting on it to happen. Okay. So thank you very much for tuning in to Surreal Politics. We'll be back Wednesday for the member show, of course. Friday, cursing up a storm for the uncensored production. I'm so grateful to all of you who make this possible. I'm very grateful even just for your attention, obviously. So thanks for all of that. And we're going to have a lot of fun. Going to have a lot of fun. Summer's coming. Election year. And then after the election, I mean, then we're just getting started. I mean, Trump 47? Wow.
See you soon.